Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Fried Storytime. I'm so excited to talk to you today, and today we're going to be doing our first episode on Rapunzel. If you do hear a little noise in the background, my screen door is open, my my big guy is pretty happy and content sitting out on the back porch right now, and uh, I've heard that it's wise to let sleeping dogs lie, so I'm going to let him do just that. It's a nicer day outside, and just let him enjoy some of that weather before it starts getting truly very cold down here. So, with Rapunzel, in 1637 we first see Rapunzel in the Pentamerone by John Battista Basile. You'll notice a lot of these same names coming up a lot in the different fairy tales. There's going to be a lot of big ones. There's, you know, Andrew Lang, John Battista Basile, the Grimms, and Anderson are kind of your heavy hitters for fairy tales. So if you've been listening for a while, it should really come as no surprise to hear John Battista Basile's name crop up yet again, because he his uh, Pentamarone is one of the oldest written accounts of classic tales that were previously kept mostly to an oral tradition at his time. So he's kind of one of the oldest primary sources that we have on record. And honestly, Pentamarone is huge. There are a lot of tales in it as you go. And it's set up in kind of an Arabian night structure where it has this framing device of a kingdom in trouble and somebody comes into court and tells a story and then it contains all of the stories and then they finish the framing device at the end after all of the short stories. Kind of like Cinderella too, but in a in a much more decent story. <laughs> so, sorry, grabbing a drink of water there. It's not a great comparison, but it's the same kind of structure. Like I said, Arabian Nights is a better example of this, where you see Scheherazade and her husband telling all of the stories that are in the Arabian Nights in between. So anyway, Basile... Um, the book, his book didn't get too much notice until the Brothers Grimm actually brought it to attention when they say, you know, they called it kind of the first national collection of folklore and fairy tales. And so they kind of drew inspiration from that idea to start doing something similar for Germany. Many of its stories are the oldest versions we have on record. Inside of the Pentamarone is a tale called Petrusinella, which is very similar to the Grimm's Rapunzel. Sixty years after Jean-Baptiste Basile, Charlotte Rose de Comment de la Force also wrote a version of the story as well, and this story she calls Parasinet. So again, we see these names that end in E-T-T-E, like Nicolette, and uh, you know, names like that that end with that kind of little sound sound at the end with the, with the et. That tends to be more French, whereas Petrusinella sounds a little more Italian. Therefore, kind of both of them are giving away where these versions of the story come from. So I will probably be referring to the version of the story featuring Parisinet by Charlotte Rose de Comment de la Force as the French version, because Charlotte Rose's name is heckin' long. And then, and then uh, Petrusinella by Jean Battista Basile, I will just refer to as the Italian version as we go through this story, just to uh, make things a little bit more clear. And then, of course, the Grimm's are the German version, so you'll see all three of them kind of crop up in this comparison here. Rapunzel is one of many Maiden in the Tower stories that we see in the Arne Thompson Uther Index number 310. They come from all over the world, and they're common in stories because if it 
disobedient daughter was resisting a marriage match, then she would often be locked away in a convent, a tower, or even a madhouse to ensure that the young woman, especially one of noble birth, remained virtuous until marriage, but also so that she had no opportunity to escape a marriage to which she uh, may not have been a consensual partner. So, in other words, the reason why the maiden in the tower warrants an entire ATU index number, and 310 is a pretty small number considering how huge the ATU is, the reason why the maiden in the tower is such a broad category is because this is something that actually happened to women all over the world. And, uh, you know, if, if you were if you were told you were going to marry a fella that you didn't want to marry, but you were well behaved about it and didn't try to get out of it, then you wouldn't be locked in a tower. But at the end of the day, you were a bargaining chip. And if they said you were going to marry old Mr. McGregor down the road, you were going to marry him or they'd put you in the tower, the convent, or I still say the worst is the madhouse. I wonder, did they ever then struggle to get the groom to actually want to marry someone who had been locked in a madhouse for a while? Because it seems like, even if being in the madhouse didn't drive you mad when you weren't mad in the first place, because it seems like being surrounded in that environment would make you kind of crazy, especially if you look at early mental health facilities, right? So it seems like being in the madhouse would drive you mad. And if it didn't, wouldn't like the village know that your daughter was in this madhouse? Wouldn't the gentleman in question be, you know, a little concerned about marrying somebody who had been in the madhouse for a few years because they were so desperate not to marry you. I'm just saying this is a great way to set up a Mr. Rochester Jane Eyre situation, you know, where you get end up driven insane even though you weren't in the first place because you're put in the madhouse. Just saying. Anyway, uh, Rapunzel is one of the fairy tales that feminists today kind of scoff at where all the heroine wants is a man in her life and to fall in love. This mockery really comes from a complete and total ignorance that comes with the privilege of being able to choose who you marry, something that was shocking and scandalous even among the lower classes at the time when these stories were written. So it's funny to me that this is seen, marriage is seen as kind of this backwards, old-fashioned value by feminists today when back when these stories were written, it was shockingly liberal and progressive to even consider that a young person, let alone a young woman, could be permitted to choose who she would marry. This was a radical, incredibly progressive idea at the time, as we will see with Charlotte Rose. And so it's just funny to me that it's Feminists especially tend to just turn up their nose and scoff at the idea of marriage. And I think a lot of that is because while feminism kind of started as a, hey, we want women to be able to vote and be considered equal humans and not be locked in towers thing, it's turned into a, yeah, I just kind of hate all dudes thing. It's just funny to me that the same people who refuse to define what a gender is can hate half of the population based exclusively on their gender. People confuse me. I don't know. But yeah, feminism has turned from fighting for rights for women to fighting against rights for men. And it's just funny that in that evolution, we've lost sight of the fact that something like Rapunzel or Cinderella or Snow White at the time that they came out, despite you know, John Batista Basile and the Grimm brothers being male authors, these were considered very feminist writings at the time because 
all of the princesses in question get to choose who they marry. And so it, it just cracks me up when people like spit all over Disney. Oh, all their prin- their princesses just sit around waiting for some man to come save them. Even Disney makes fun of Disney for this. And I'm, it's just crazy because they're using stories that when these stories came out, that idea in and of itself was considered extremely scandalous and racy that you can choose who you marry based on, get this, someone you like it's crazy right i mean it is it just when they make fun of this it really only shows how completely ignorant they are to the context of the story so it doesn't make you sound empowered and strong it makes you sound dumb and don't make yourself sound dumb it goes against the whole whole feminist issue right is you're supposed to make yourself sound like you're better than and stronger and smarter than a man is what feminists are claiming but when they make their arguments they choose them with such weak context that it really just makes them sound dumb and i'm sorry for you girls i'm sorry you're so angry and that daddy left you or whatever but i have healthy relationships with the men in my life and i like men so i can't really relate to whatever mental illness you've got going on but i don't know it's just funny to me that these these same articles, these same stories that were such a large feminist situation at the time and were so empowering to women, because again, fairy tales were mostly told towards adult women and by adult women, by the way. So these were kind of women's medium. These stories were recorded by men, but they were created by and for women. And to have feminists tear them down really does show their own ignorance. And again, it doesn't make them sound strong and empowered. It makes them sound completely ignorant about what they're talking about. If you're going to be angry about something, at least understand what you're being angry about. Otherwise, it just makes you sound like a dumb, angry person. You're not some samurai avenger. You're just a wolverine throwing a stick around his enclosure because he's mad. You know, you know, and it's, it's just... Oh, I hate when people undermine their own arguments, unless they're arguing with me, then then I find it incredibly funny. Anyway, it's just got to stand, stand on my soapbox for that one. The perfect example of this is Charlotte Rose, who wrote the French version of Rapunzel. She was in love with a man, and while she was of noble birth, his family locked him away. So he was the maiden in the tower in this real-life situation. His family locked him away to avoid the match. One night, she snuck into his home with a theater troupe, dressed as a bear, found him, and then they snuck off to get married. Unfortunately, they were caught, and the marriage was annulled by their families. Not by them, by their families. So this shows how little control these young people have over who they're allowed to, to marry. And by young people, I mean they were legally adults in the con- their countries of or- origin at the time. But... Uh, they still don't have a choice. And so it strikes me as funny that the idea of romance and seeking a happy marriage and partnership is seen as so old-fashioned when there was a time where choosing your spouse and falling in love was expressly forbidden and you had to sneak away into the night to do it. And even then, again, as we see with Charlotte, your family could annul your marriage for you. Um, anyway, later Charlotte Rose was locked in a convent for her political satire and for her attempts to find love. She was way ahead of her time, and the next time somebody's whining about having to pay for their own health items and saying they should be free, given free as a right, 
Let's remind them how far our rights really have come and how spoiled they sound compared to the history and honestly compared to most women still living in the world today. Charlotte Rose is a testament to why Rapunzel has resonated with people throughout all of history, so much so that she went ahead and again wrote her own French version of Rapunzel because she, of all people, could relate to the maiden in the tower. This was the way things were for women then. And I think we've gotten so comfortable that now we're just kind of always looking for something to be mad about when really, historically, there really were some things to be mad about. I don't know. We're so fixated on ourselves, I think, that we don't look at the real hardship of people like Charlotte Rose and the poor gentleman that she wanted to marry. He also was locked away. So it's, it's pretty sad. This story was originally not meant for children, and while the Grimm's tend to kind of filter things down, they kind of quote-unquote Disney-fied things before Disney made it cool, in their latter versions, this story can get uh, dark in certain spots, though I will point out the points where um, Grimm's kind of gloss over some stuff for the sake of their younger audiences. Let's just say the Grimm's brothers' first release of this story and their last release of this story are vastly different and there are small changes made through, I think there's like six or seven versions that they wrote in between, but the first edition and last edition are very, very different. And some changes are not as major. For example, the change to a, a fairy in the French version to a witch in the Grimm's version and a few kind of tasteful versions between their first and their last. While Disney looked at doing Rapunzel right after Snow White, it was put off for decades, eventually becoming their 50th animated classic. This may be because they needed to make a three-page story last for well over an hour. Who knows? It's hard. It's hard to translate these stories because, as we've discussed before, stories were originally made in a plot-driven narrative, and how we indulge in stories today is typically a character-driven narrative. We care about the character and what happens to them, whereas in these original fairy tales, often the characters didn't even have a name. So it was very much about what happened rather than who it happened to. And I think today we're so interconnected that it's hard to be interested in a story when we're not interested in the character. So today's storytelling is more character-driven. In Disney's version, they start with a magic golden flower. The French, Italian, and German versions also start with a plant. Now, we've all seen the meme with Disney's princesses' names. Anna means gracious, Jasmine means flower, Aurora means the dawn, Belle means beautiful, Tiana means princess, Merida means pearl, and Rapunzel means lettuce. And this meme is made to kind of look like Disney's dumping all over poor Rapunzel, but Rapunzel is her name in the story. And other than Belle and Rapunzel, most of these princesses aren't named at all in their own story. Or Disney took the name from other versions, such as Aurora and Jasmine. As we talked about in our Aladdin episode, Jasmine was named like Badira Badur or something like that in the original Aladdin. And so Disney took her name from kind of a Broadway play where she was named Jasmine, which is not only much easier for Western tongues to pronounce, but it's, to us... Jasmine flowers, at least here in the U.S., invoke the the thought of the beautiful scent and the beautiful, pretty white flowers. And uh, Badira Baldur means full moon of full moons. So that's not going to have as much of a significance or resonance with a Western audience as the thought of jasmine flowers. So what's in a name? In the Italian version, 
the maiden's name is Petrosinella, which means parsley. In the French version, she is named Parisonette, also parsley. In Grimm Brothers, she's called Rapunzel and is named after a plant family called Rampion, specifically Rapunculus, which is smaller, similar to a spinach or a lettuce leaf. And these plants typically have edible leaves, flowers, and roots if you cook them. They grow all over Europe and Asia. Capanula rapunculus has purple bell-shaped flowers. So the flowers are shaped much like the flowers in Disney's story with the kind of lavender color of Rapunzel's dress. It's a very similar shade. The reason why she's named after these plants is because they are the start of her story. So again, we go back to a big difference in Disney's version, which kind of makes Rapunzel's name make a lot less sense in Disney's version. So I get where that meme is coming from in the sense that because her story begins differently, we don't get the connection between Rapunzel the girl and Rapunzel the plant. Whereas in the fairy tales, the kind of connection is immediately obvious. So back with Disney, we see the queen is expecting when she gets very, very sick and consumes a magic flower to get well. The magic flower then passes on its power to her baby, Rapunzel. In the fairy tale, Rapunzel is not the child of a king and queen, though she could still pull in that Disney merch because she does marry a prince. And we know the Disney princess line, the rules are you have to either be born royalty or marry into royalty. So she qualifies. Um, so Disney kind of switches up the roles as far as bloodlines go because it, they make Rapunzel a rightful princess and Eugene is just a thief, whereas in the original fairy tales, the husband is a prince and Rapunzel is of kind of common blood. Um, though we do find out in Tangled the series that Eugene does descend from royalty. So they do kind of pull a Beauty and the Beast Cinderella move where they make sure that the person hearing the story is aware that royalty and nobility only marries royalty and nobility. Interestingly, this is a rare case where the original fairy tale actually doesn't do the whole blood purity thing, and the Disney version does. Weird. In the Italian version, we also see a woman who is expecting, and her name is Pascadosia. By the way, nice to have a fairy tale with people who have names in it. I've been doing them for a while now, and lots of times we get the prince, the princess, the carpenter, that kind of thing. She's desperately craving parsley from the garden next door, a garden owned by an ogress. Ugh. She wants that parsley so badly that she waits until the ogress goes out and steals some. In the French version, the garden belongs to a fairy, which in folklore is a pretty bad thing. I keep telling people that fae and gin are no good, but these French folks live in just as bad a neighborhood as their Italian counterparts. The wife, however, in this version sends her husband to steal the parsley, and she devours it. In Grimm's version, they live next door to a witch. Move! People, why are you living? <laughs> and the wife is not expecting, but she wants to be. The witch slash sorceress slash enchantress is named Mother Gothel. So we'll meet her more in the next chapter and thank you so much for tuning in today i hope you liked it and if you did please um subscribe share it with your friends and pass on this podcast it really does help us grow have a wonderful wonderful day